Well, welcome back to the Walk as Jesus Walk podcast series. And in today's message, we're going to focus on the importance of seeking the wisdom of God as opposed to the wisdom of man. The Apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 through 21, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. We can't listen to what people assume something means or tell us how they see it or how they understand it. But no, no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. For no such prophecy was ever brought forth by the will of man. But men actually spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, spiritual knowledge and wisdom it just cannot be gained from human understanding or by applying human or worldly wisdom. Spiritual things, they must come from the Spirit of God alone. That's why we who are in Christ must live a Spirit-led life. Otherwise, we'll listen to what this person or that person has to say, and we'll think them right until someone else comes and proves that they're wrong and that this new person's right, and it will go on and on. This is why so many people bounce from one denomination to another, one church to another, one teacher to another. Now, James, he wrote about wisdom. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, even if you are coming to him and you haven't been living a great life. But God help me and give me wisdom and insight to live that great life. He will actually give wisdom generously. And it will be given to that person. But if that person asks in faith, they'll receive it. Faith without doubting. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that man, the one who doubts, couldn't expect to receive anything. From the Lord. He's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6 tells us, in all your ways acknowledge him being God, being the Lord, and he will make your path straight. So if we seek God for wisdom, if we seek to be led by the Spirit, we know that our paths will be straight. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's the way of death. Because mankind doesn't know the mind of God, cannot know the mind of God, but yet constantly, well, just as the scribes and Pharisees did, try to prove that they know the mind of God. They'll try to prove that they're wise, and maybe they are wise from human perspective, from God's perspective, we know nothing. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, 17, it tells us that all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for instruction. So if I have scripture, that's great because it's God-breathed and it's useful for conviction, for correction, for training in righteousness. We should ponder scripture. We should spend time learning from the Lord. And why? 
so that that man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. This is why we must uh, set our minds on things above and not on earthly things. It says that in Colossians 3, 2. Yet most people who approach Scripture, they look at the Holy Bible and say that this is it, and I don't need to listen to anything else or read anything else. I'll just read it and ponder it, and I will know the mind of God. And that becomes a very slippery slope, a very dangerous place to be, because it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us all things. And if a man or a woman, any human, thinks that they can know the mind of God just by reading the Bible, they're already putting themselves in peril. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How deep it is. How unsearchable are his judgments and untraceable his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has first given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Yet today, there are so many who figure themselves to be so scholarly that it's almost as though they don't need God to answer because they've already received everything from God because they know it. And once again, this becomes a very dangerous practice. The wisdom and the knowledge of God is immeasurable and is impossible to fully grasp from a human perspective. Now, he gives us from these riches what we need to know, when we need to know it, according to his will and his timing. If we just trust in him and we seek him for this knowledge and wisdom, spiritual knowledge and wisdom. You know, man has always strived to know the mind of God, but they do so typically to serve their own purpose. With little regard to God's true purpose for their lives, they just really want to know all about it so that they can share with others that they know everything about God. In this, there's a, bro, a, a, a rapidly growing body of so-called godly wisdom proclaimed that is, in truth, nothing more than man-made insights based on assumption and myth. And it's all through sprinkled, sprinkled throughout practically every doctrine that, that you could ever venture into. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3-4, through 4, Paul warned us. He said, for the time will come when men will not tolerate sound doctrine. What comes from the Lord? What comes directly through the Spirit of God? But with itching ears, they will gather around themselves teachers to suit their own desires, much like the scribes and Pharisees did with one another. So they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31, Paul wrote, For the message of the cross, the gospel, is foolishness to those who are perishing. People who don't know the Lord, they think that's just the silliest thing. You believe that you just you know, follow Jesus and, and that's going to give you eternal life. But to us, 
who are being saved? It's the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the philosopher of this age? Well, you needn't turn too much further than going to most of your denominations because you'll find them all there. Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, to mankind's own wisdom, they don't know God. And because of that, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached, the gospel, the simple gospel that saved those who believe. Now, Jews, they always demanded a sign. They always want to see a sign. And Greeks, well, they search for wisdom. They want to be your scholars. But Paul said, he preached Christ, just Christ crucified. That's it. That's a stumbling block to the Jews because there's no sign there for them to, to go ahead and gloat over. And it's foolish, foolishness to the Gentiles. Oh, it can't be that simple. We've got to go deeper. We need to be knowledgeable. But to those who are called, to those truly who are called by the Lord, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, Paul continues, consider the time of your calling. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble birth. They didn't come from, you know, royalty. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly and despised things of this world and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why? So that no one may boast in his presence, in the presence of God. No one can boast. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has Become for us wisdom from God, our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16, among the mature, however, we speak a message of wisdom. Those who are not mature, we cannot, is what he's saying. But not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, not the wisdom of mankind. No, we speak of the mysteries and hidden wisdoms of God, the mysterious and hidden wisdom that's within God, which he destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Rather, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But God 
has revealed it to us, not from the scriptures, but he's revealed it to us by the spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except his own spirit within him? So too, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And this is what we speak, not in words by us, human wisdom, which so many people do week in and week out, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The natural man does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That's the only way we can understand them, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The spiritual man, well, he judges all things, but he himself is not subject to anyone's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we, we have the mind of Christ when we have the Spirit. When we became transformed, born again, and the Holy Spirit came to live within us, the Spirit of Jesus came to live within us, that Spirit teaches us all things. It knows the mind of God. Jesus said to those who seek to know him through their intellectual study, versus the required humble surrender in Christ that's needed for salvation. He said in John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, you pour over the scriptures because you presume that by them you possess eternal life. These are the very words that testify about me, Jesus said, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. But yet you want to know all those scriptures. You want to memorize them. You want to quote them. You want to shove them down people's throats. You want to use them to go ahead and make yourself something that you're not. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, if you want to know the truth, you come to me. Truly, truly, I tell you, he said in John chapter 10, verses 7 through 16, I am the gate for the sheep. That's what Jesus said. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Now, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved, period. If you find another way, though, there is no other way. Jesus said there's only one way, him, the way, the truth, and the life. But yet he did say that there are many, many ways to the broad path that leads to destruction. But he goes on to say, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Now the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. The hired hand, the one who knows it all, the one who wants to teach you from a human perspective, is not the shepherd. 
and the sheep are not his own. When he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf pounces on them and scatters the flock. The man runs away. Why? Because he's a hired servant and is unconcerned for the sheep. But Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Now he's talking about those who are in his body, the body of Christ, those who are in his church, not the man-made church, but his body. I must bring them in as well, and they will listen to my voice. That's where wisdom comes from. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, Jesus as the good shepherd has not only left us who are in him, alone. He didn't leave us alone. He didn't leave us alone at all. But I tell you the truth. It is for your benefit that I'm going away, Jesus said. Now, at that point, when he was sharing with his disciples, they're going, no, no, you can't leave us. We'll be all alone. He said, no, I tell you, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's talking about his spirit, the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin because they do not believe in me, Jesus said. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world, the, the adversary, Satan, the prince of this world has been condemned. I still have much to tell you, Jesus said, but you cannot bear to hear it. There were other things he wanted to share with them, but no, he said, I can't do it right now because you couldn't bear it. However, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all things. Jesus didn't offer us a book. He didn't offer us the scriptures, because he could have right here, he could have said, just read those scriptures and you'll know all you need. No, he says, I offer you my spirit, the spirit of truth, who will guide you, who will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, as so many do, but he will speak what he hears and he will declare to you what is to come. And he will glorify me by taking from what is mine and disclosing it to you. Everything belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said that the Spirit will take from what is mine and disclose it to you. That's in John chapter 16, verse 7 through 15. In John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. He's talking about the spirit. And he goes on to say, the spirit of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He will give you the spirit of life, the spirit of truth, the spirit that will show you the way to guide us. The world cannot receive him. Although there's many who make the claim that they know Jesus, but they cannot receive him because they remain in the world. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world does not know the Lord. 
But you do know him if you're in Christ, for he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. This is not something that we do on our own. This is something that the Lord does with us. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 through 23, the apostle John wrote, Children, it is the last hour. And just as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have appeared. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their departure made it clear that none of them belonged to us. You, however, have an anointing from the Holy One. That would be the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you lack knowledge of the truth, but because you have it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? If it's not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, this is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, but whoever confesses the Son has the Father as well. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 52, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast into the sea and it caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the men pulled it to the shore. Then they sat down and sorted the fish into containers, but they threw out the bad fish. They took the good fish, put it in containers, and threw all the bad fish away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and will separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. They said, yes. Then he told them, for this reason, every scribe who has been disciplined in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. And he's talking about the fact if you were led and the old covenant led you to realize you were a sinner, and now you've surrendered your life to become part of the new covenant, then you have the treasure of the new as well as the old. Now, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14 says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain. He was talking about spiritual self. Because you are dull of hearing. Although by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to, to reteach you the basic principles of God's word. Now, most people think that means you have to learn more about the Bible. That's not what this means. 
means that you need to reach back to the basic principles of the words of God that brought us into a right relationship with Christ in the first place. Good news, the gospel. But instead, he says, you need milk, not solid food. You have no spiritual maturity. For everyone who lives on milk is like an infant, inexperienced in the message of righteousness. The message of righteousness. You see, we're not talking about memorizing scripture here. We're talking about the message of righteousness. And that comes from the mind of God. But solid food, he continues and says, is for the mature who by constant use have trained their senses to distinguish good from evil. And Paul wrote similarly to those in Corinth, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. In fact, you're still not ready, for you are still worldly. You're like the world. For since there is jealousy and dissension, that means some kind of discord because of denomination, because of uh, some kind of a fraction or some kind of a, a division that's among you, are you not worldly? Are you not walking in the way of man? For when one of you says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not met just mere men? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Well, there are servants through whom you believed, as the Lord has assigned to each his role. I planted, and once that seed was there, Apollos watered it. But God made it grow. We didn't make it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. He who plants and he who waters are in one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building, one building, not 37 million buildings that call themselves the church that are scattered around the globe today. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Thus in closing, we must walk by the Spirit and trust in the Lord if we want spiritual wisdom. And in that, we will then find spiritual growth and spiritual insight. This is how we grow spiritually and deepen our personal relationship with our Lord. Now, if we do this, trusting in Jesus for our spiritual wisdom, seeking from God the wisdom from above, then we'll be walking as Jesus walked.